What's going on, everyone? This is Eric Stewart from the Fishing Fanatics Podcast. And today I'm joined with Chris Kane, who's the VP of Sales for Seaborne Outfitters and also Bates Fishing Co. So how you doing, Chris? Man, I'm doing good. Doing good. Appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. It's great to have you here because Bates Fishing Co. has been a reel that I've been seeing all over the place on social media. I saw you guys down at ICAST too. And we're going to dive into the story about how Bates Fishing Company came to be. But let's start, Chris, with your story about where you got to VP of sales today. I know in your past, you were a pastor. Um, so tell me about how that kind of connects to the fishing industry and being in sales. And tell me your story there. Yeah, man. So to to get to the VP of sales part, I've got to go pretty much back to the beginning. So uh, I, I actually grew up in North Alabama and uh, my dad was, uh, he was an angler and fished some, he did some tournament fishing, all that kind of stuff. So I kind of grew up in that world and with those passions and all that kind of stuff. Well, uh, fast forward a whole bunch of years, I still love to fish and ministry actually took my wife and I to the Dallas area in Texas. And, um, and so worked as a pastor for almost a decade there. And, um, and at some point, uh, I was doing student ministry. So kind of overseeing a, a youth ministry. And, um, I had this family in our church, their last name was Hughes. And they had several different kids that were, uh, that were involved in my student ministry and their dad, Buddy Hughes, who is the, the owner and the founder and the CEO of Bates and Seaborn and all of that, um, he, uh, he would drop his kids off at church on Wednesdays. And, um, and so a little bit of Buddy's background is he was involved in product design and had a previous company before he got into the fishing industry. And, um, and so at some point he sold that and was kind of in between what he was wanting to do and was spending a lot of time fishing. And, uh, and man, I like in all honesty, I think I was just kind of the fishiest guy that he knew at the time. And so when he was going through a season of trying to figure out what was next and was really thinking about getting into the product design space in the fishing industry, he would come up on Wednesdays and, you know, kind of pitch me his ideas. And a few times he actually put stuff in my hands. And, uh, and so I think it's fair to say that I was like unofficially consulting the fishing stuff that he was getting into while I was pastoring his kids. And, um, uh, so man, fast, uh, flash forward to, uh, to like the kind of the heels of COVID and our church was really affected by the pandemic in a lot of ways that were really hard. And that wasn't like particular to our church. That was really common. And, um, and so there was an opportunity along the way for me to step down out of my paid position in the church and continue serving a lot of the ways that I had previously been doing, but just kind of on a volunteer basis. And then Buddy actually hired me and, uh, and so, man, I jumped into Bates and Seaborn and I don't know if VP of sales is a fair title. It's just like when you work in the corporate world, titles mean something. And, uh, and so I've, I've done a bunch, a bunch of different things for Buddy and for the companies, but, um, but man, that's, that's just kind of like, that's the abbreviated version. I was just a kid that grew up loving fishing and that never ended. And then, you know, by God's grace and his design, there was just a really unforeseen opportunity a lot of years later. So, That is a crazy story. So when you were a pastor, was it ever kind of in the back of your mind? Were you always thinking like, I kind of want to do something in fishing? Or was this totally out of the blue? You were just happened to be a pastor, kind of 
teaching the kids and this opportunity kind of landed in your lap. That's kind of what it sounds yeah. like, but I didn't know if we kind of, uh, yeah, just no. did. No, totally just landed in my lap. I really thought I'd spend the rest of my life serving, you know, on staff at a church as a pastor and, uh, and Lord just had other plans. So I've been with Bates and Seaborn officially for, uh, a little over two years now. Um, so yeah, man, that's the story. Yeah. Absolutely. And Bates, how long has Bates been around for in Seaboard Outfitters? Yeah, so they, I guess they formally have been around for about five years. Um, but, you know, a lot of a lot of those first years was just a lot of research and development. No products on the market, really. Uh, and then about two years ago, we, we started releasing our first products. A lot of that was on the Seaborne side, actually. Um, and then what everybody kind of comes to, to understand and know Bates to be with our CNC reels and all that kind of stuff, that really has just been, man, the last, uh, maybe 14 or 15 months that we've had those on the market and really just kind of turned the corner, um, the first of, of this year. So, uh, even though we've been around for a little while, we still feel really new to most people. Definitely. Yeah. I remember seeing you guys probably in that like 10 months ago window when I think I saw either Bass Pro Shop, something like that, or one of your videos online. And I was like, this is a really cool looking reel. Um, definitely want to check it out. We'll get more into like what you guys do different than other your competitors a little bit later on. Sure. Uh, do you know the story about how you guys kind of got started with the idea to go into fishing reels or anything like that? Yeah, man. So um, it actually starts on the Seaborn side. So uh, for everybody that's listening, we we have two separate LLCs. They're kind of sister companies. We have Bates Fishing. That's definitely our more mainstream, popular brand. Uh, some Texans may be more familiar with Seaborn, and that's actually kind of the the origin of uh, really of both companies. So uh, Buddy, uh, I, I referenced Buddy earlier. He is our CEO and our founder and all that stuff. Um, Buddy grew up in the uh, the Dripping Springs area down around Austin, Texas. He had a grandfather that had a place over in uh, Galveston, and his grandfather's name was Seaborn Hughes. That was his given name, and uh, and so so uh, Buddy's grandfather was kind of like a, a tinkerer, and when he would go visit him, they spent a lot of time in his shop, like you know, building just makeshift fishing rods and all kinds of different stuff. So his kind of his like desire and passions around craftsmanship were attributed to his grandfather. And, um, and so when Buddy started thinking through getting into the fishing industry and, you know, manufacturing things in that space, he, uh, he originally came up with Seaborn as a, just a, you know, a cool brand name and also a tribute to his grandfather. And then, uh, Bates is like, you know, it's less, uh, less like cinematic in nature. There's not really any cool story behind that name. It just, we, we needed a name for a separate entity and, uh, Bates is like a single word kind of name fit the bill. And there wasn't a whole lot to that really. Um, but, but to think of like the, the two brands in their separate spaces. So Seaborn because so much of Buddy's time was spent on the Texas coast growing up, it really is more of a tribute to the inshore angler. And so our products kind of revolve around the Texas coast and 
what Texas anglers uh, want and need. So it's it's inshore products. We also manufacture fly fishing equipment on that side. Um, and then baits kind of fits more of the conventional market. And uh, in, in all honesty, man, on the bait side of things, what we really got into in the beginning was rod manufacturing. And, um, and man, it didn't take too long to figure out that the rod industry was really oversaturated with kind of smaller boutique brands. It just, it's not as hard to get into that space from a manufacturing side. There's less capital involved in all of that. Um, but, uh, but man, like when we, when we started getting into that side of things and then trying to find reels to pair with those rods, um, it kind of opened our eyes to see that we really felt like there was a niche in the reel industry that we could slip into. So brought uh, uh, buddy's desire on product design was not really to, to just take things that already existed off the shelf and, uh, and slap our names on it. He, he really dove in head first into all the minutia of what it actually takes to, to make reels and to improve upon, uh, things that are already existing in the industry. And, um, and so, uh, man, that kind of opened the doorway to the CNC concept and things that we uh, we borrowed from the fly fishing industry who kind of transitioned what we think of in terms of quality fly fishing reels. All that stuff went to uh, monoblock CNC making, you know, well over a decade ago. And, um, and the casting industry just really never picked up on that. Uh, and so so anyways, that was kind of like, that was our end into what we're, uh, you know, becoming known for now with uh, with our one piece reels. Yeah, I think it's interesting to hear. I because I, I always when I was looking at your website and when I first saw you guys, I always thought it was like only a real company. That's what you guys focus on. But it's interesting to hear how you started with rods, just because it's kind of like easier to manufacture, of course, because you got a bunch of blanks out there, and then switch to reels. So that right. whole story and that development's really interesting to me. And I know that. You guys do something different with your reels. I know you mentioned it, the CNC, um, the one piece kind of thing you guys got going on. Can you explain that to all our listeners or kind of what the benefits are there and what it's all about? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the, with kind of really almost every reel that fits into the low profile bait casting category, uh, which is, you know, all of your main, your main uh, big manufacturers, you guys know all those names. Um, you really only have a couple of options in terms of the real frame. So um, most manufacturers are investing all, almost all of their dollars into like the internal components, the working guts of a reel. Um, and then they just kind of package around that. Uh, usually it's a conglomerate of plastic or like metal molded pieces and all those things are kind of pieced together to make your frame that houses all those guts. And, um, and man, like, you know, truth be told, I mean, we're paying $400 for a reel in a lot of cases. And the thing that actually ends up holding up the worst is the stuff that's actually in your hands. And, um, and so, man, we just thought that the reel industry, especially customers that were spending a lot of money on high quality reels, deserve something that was better than that. And we saw a pathway to be able to manufacture it and still offer it at a, a reasonable price. And so, um, 
what we're doing is all of our reel frames for our bait casting reels are being manufactured out of a solid bar stock of uh, 6061 T6 is like the technical term, but it's, it's just bar stock aluminum. And so literally think of like a just a block of aluminum and through a series of machines that use uh, different bits and cutting tools, that solid block gets machined down into a solid frame, and then we build the rest of the reel into that. Uh, and so what does that mean for the customer? Well, from our perspective, the most important thing that it offers is a, a product that is is long-lasting and durable. Um, and, and so, man, like we, you know, being in business, we kind of get it. It's like the name of the game, especially in, in a capitalist society that we live in, it's make, making the, uh, like the, the best product that you can while maintaining these really big profit margins and, uh, and then just selling volume. Right. And in all honesty, like I'm, I'm not telling any secrets here. The other part of the game is you don't actually want your product to last for forever because you need people to buy more products. And uh, and so, man, we we just wanted to like kind of course correct. So where the industry was going to more and more uh, plastic, more and more composite materials, all that kind of stuff, we, we wanted to go back to kind of a heritage of manufacturing that is uh, kind of, you know, historically representative of the quality of craftsmanship that the U.S. is known for and We've got a little bit of that Texas pride too, right? It's like, man, if you can do it, a Texan can probably do it better. And uh, and so we want to make something that lasts. We want to make something that's dependable. We want something that, you know, uh, that like I can hand down, not just to my kids, but pass down to my grandkids one day and um, and all that kind of stuff. So all, all that starts with our frames that we talked about and uh, and then kind of builds out from there. It's funny because I couldn't tell you the amount of times I went fishing um, with my dad or someone that's a little bit older than me, and some like things just break. It, it, whether it's on a boat, whether it's on a reel, whether oh. it's on a rod, it just seems like when you're fishing, things just break all the time. And that always that that same adage always comes out. They don't make things like they used to. You always hear it get thrown yeah, around right. all the time. <laughs> it's it's cool to see that they're like solid body. I remember seeing it at ICAST, kind of like what that entire like solid aluminum body looks like and it looks really durable and it should be cool to see like as people kind of field test them and use them over a longer period of time how hold, long they hold up and even like when I think about some of the Shimano reels I have and the newer ones um like the problems I have with them and then I have an older one too for some reason their older ones like last the span of time like literally you could drop it down rocks old, and it's pretty yeah, yeah. fine yeah yeah, those old Corrados, man. Those are workhorses. Yeah, that's it, man. And a lot of times, like, people, like, whether they're throwing musky gear or anything like that, like the heavier lures and all that stuff, like, when I look for a reel, I look for a workhorse that, you know, I have to put oil in it, I have to service it every year, that's fine, but I know the next season it's going to be ready to go. And that's that's what keeps me going back to these different brands. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Absolutely. So I appreciate you diving into what makes your, like, you know, reels different than Shimano's and, you know, Daiwa's and all those other different brands too. And with your brand specifically, the thing that stood out to me is the different colors that you guys have. They all look super clean. 
Um, was that kind of by design to make it a little bit different, make you pop on the shelves a little bit? Where, um, where do those kind of colors even come from? Yeah, so our reels are all finished with, uh, with an anodized finish, which uh, anodization on metal just kind of gives you a whole different dimension of like pop and, uh, and color characteristics. Um, and so that the anodization, um, that actually started uh, as an idea to, to just help with the anti-corrosive properties of the reel. And then the color opportunities were kind of a bonus. Like we realized we could get some really cool stuff with that. Um, but for the for the viewer and the listener, the the whole deal behind the the um, the anodization is that rather than the reel being finished with like a paint or a coat of something, anodization is a dye, and so you're actually dyeing the metal. Um, and the finish is then, it, once the dye is applied, it's electric, electrically charged. And um, and so that finish is actually fused into the molecular structure of the reel. Um, and and it just kind of goes a, a step further. So all, um, all um, elements are porous to some degree, right? Things are just more or less depending on what the composition of that material is. And so the anodization kind of fills in some of those gaps on a microscopic level of the real frame and, uh, and beefs up like the anti-salt, anti-corrosive nature of the, the, uh, the real. And, um, and then, you know, a byproduct of that is we get some really cool finished colors that that really do kind of stand out when they're sitting next to other reels for sure. Yeah, they definitely pop a little bit. And I know a big problem with the reels I have, and it's not a problem, it's just kind of like an aesthetic thing, is when they're sitting on the boat and you kind of get that boat rash. I don't know if your reels kind of, like, don't get boat rash or they still do. I'm not really sure, but do you have any points on that? Yeah. Yeah, uh, man, I like, the only answer that I have to that for now is, like, time will tell. Um, so, yeah. You know, we really do hope that these reels are something that lasts and gets passed down. And uh, and in all honesty, we just, uh, we didn't have, you know, we didn't have a decade to test products before we rolled them out onto the market. And uh, and so, man, we, we're, we're kind of as interested as you are to see what things will look like in seven to 10 years. Um, but we're, we're pretty confident in the, in the finish and the end result. So we'll see. If anything, they'll just have character. Business owners and marketing professionals in the Philly area, Bad Rhino takes the overwhelm out of digital marketing. With tailored digital marketing services, from social media management to SEO and PPC advertising, our expert team navigates the complexities of the digital ad space for your business. Let Bad Rhino lead you to success. Visit badrhinoinc.com and let's take your business to new heights. Bad Rhino, we do digital marketing so you don't have to. That's it, right? That's yeah. it. As long as the reels still work, then we're all good there. That's right. The, um, and another thing you guys do really cool is um, your marketing too and how you push your products out there. Like I kind of mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, I saw your reel either it was from like an ad or it was from like social media or different stuff like that. So tell me a little bit about the marketing that you guys are doing. Um, what's your whole process behind it? Um, is it like, are you going direct to consumers mainly or is it like a lot of B2B business? Yeah, I mean, so uh, our heart is to be in every brick and mortar, mom and pop, five, you know, uh, fishing shop across the country. Uh, so truth be told, 
um, historically those those people, uh, small business owners, they're the educators of the industry, right? So I, you know, I think about my own story and where I grew up in North Alabama, and we at that time our town didn't have any kind of real large fishing store. You had to go to Birmingham uh, to the south, or you had to go up to Huntsville to get anything like that. So uh, what I had that was about a mile down the road was a little, just a little general store called Campus Grocery. And uh, and so you walk in, the whole place may have been a thousand square feet. It was probably a lot smaller than that. Uh, and so you had like really basic groceries on one side of the store. And then the rest of the store is like every square inch of the whole place was just chock full of rods and reels and soft plastics and, and just all the things. And then they sold crickets out of the back. Uh, and, and so, man, like those people, they kind of carried the pulse of the fish fishing industry for forever. And to some degree, we've lost a little bit of that in the social media era. And, uh, you know, in, in the way that YouTube has really kind of shifted the way that anglers are educated. Um, but man, we still have a heart for those people and those people are still out there and they're still working hard. And, um, and so our long-term goal is like, we, we don't necessarily want to be strictly direct to consumer realistically we'll probably always have some element of that um, but we really want to be in those shops and and kind of filling up the stores across the country and then as far as our marketing man like i uh i man i'll just shoot you straight there like we don't have a clue what we're doing with marketing really other than just kind of doing things that are consistent with who we are as a brand and, you know, as the individuals behind the brand. And, um, so I don't have a marketing degree, buddy doesn't have a marketing degree. We, I've never taken a master class or listened to a Ted talk on any of that kind of stuff. We honestly, we just know more of what we don't want to be and we're trying to avoid those things. So, um, it seems like, uh, the trajectory of the industry has been like, uh, everybody every year seems to feel the need to, to like, impress the fishing world with whatever the next technology uh, or feature of a fishing reel is, right? And then we kind of like cloak what is usually the simplicity of that advancement with a lot of language that doesn't make a lot of sense. And uh, and so, you know, the whole, the whole deal on the industry side of fishing is that we're way more concerned with catching anglers than we are catching fish. And... Uh, so a lot of times our marketing gimmicks and schemes are way more flashy than whatever the next crankbait or rattle trap is. Uh, and we, as at baits fishing, we just don't want to be that way. We want to make a product that lasts. And so the reputation of our brand over time has much more to do with the integrity of our products than it does whatever the next thing is. Uh, and, um, and so, you know, man, as we try and, tell our story and market ourselves like we still we don't really feel like we know what we're doing we're just being honest with people and uh so if we can avoid all bs then you know that's what we're here for that's working though man if you're just honest with people give them a high quality product i mean things are going to fly off the shelf and you guys are in for a great business it's funny how you mentioned like a lot of companies are out there looking to catch anglers not to catch fish (laughs) it like just being that at icast i mean awesome venue Met some awesome people there. Met you there. Yeah. Um, but it is interesting when you walk around. You know, you get to see the new products there. And 
you know, you start scratching your head a little bit about where sure. the ideas are coming from. And, you know, people might be, you know, copycat. And then there's a lot of things going out on social media about that. Um, but yeah, man, just st- literally just stick with your path. I love the marketing message that you guys have. It's just honest, open, and truthful. And that sounds like a plan there. So I love yeah, it. Yeah, we appreciate that. Um, so coming up, um, anything new in the pipeline, new products, um, new reels, new rods, anything like that? Yeah, man. So we're we're pretty um, we're pretty hyper focused on real manufacturing right now. We really feel like that's kind of our place in the industry. We may get into rod making down the road again, but but right now that's not really in our sights. We're we're actually like if you off on our website right now, we're trying to get out of the rod market for a little bit. I saw. And uh, I and saw. so uh, with that said, all you know, all of kind of our engineering efforts are around reels, and. Um, Man, without giving too much away, probably the one of the biggest, most frequent questions that we get is when are we going to make a spinning reel series that is on par with our casting reels, and um, and so we're working on that right now, and uh, and man, there's just a there's a lot that's gone into that. We feel like we're getting really close. You know, we don't have any kind of like dates to release or any official names of anything or you know none of that kind of stuff but we can with a lot of confidence say that 2024 is going to look really cool for uh for Bates customers and anybody that's maybe not a casting reel guy is interested in our brand but hadn't seen a spinning reel to speak of yet it's uh it's coming down the pipe and hopefully it's coming soon awesome well I will definitely keep my eyes open for that for sure um, and then the last couple things I wanted to hit on here was your slogan that I've been seeing all around. It's um, where the ranch runs into the reef. And tell me a little bit about that slogan and what that means to you guys. Oh, man, I love that. Uh, so we we wrote that years ago, and it was kind of targeted for the Seaborn brand. Um, but, yeah, man, I, so when we were when we we're thinking through branding and Seaborn, uh, we obviously at least initially had our Texas anglers in mind. And uh, so Texas is really unique and, you know, for whatever it's worth, it is like a whole other country, like the commercials say. And um, and so, man, like um, one of the things that is really unique about Texas is the way that the kind of Texas ranch culture bleeds into the coast. Uh, so I, I grew up in North Alabama. My mom grew up in Fort Walton Beach, Florida. My grandparents lived there. I grew up going to the Gulf Coast down in, you know, Destin and all the white the white sand beaches of the the Florida Gulf Coast. When you get over into Texas, dude, it's just grungy, man. Like it's still the Gulf Coast, but it's way different and has a different vibe. And man, I've been on the coast in Texas and I've seen guys riding their horses in the ocean, you know, just just we, like weird stuff. And, uh, and so like, we wanted to be a brand that just kind of had that feel and represented that, right. It's like all the, all the hard, hardworking dudes that, uh, you know, fill up and work all the ranches in Texas and the way that that bleeds into the oil country and, uh, all, all the things that make up kind of the, that grungy Texas coast. So that was, uh, that marketing concept was, you know, tagged with Seaborn, but um, in terms of the way that we feel about life in general, it certainly lays over on debates as well. So I I love that somebody even knew that that line existed. We we worked really hard at one point in time coming up with that. I love it. 
That's awesome. It's it's all over your website, so I figured I'll ask you about it towards the end here. But um, yeah, Chris, I I appreciate you doing the podcast with me, man. And I'm gonna give you the floor here to shout out any of your social medias, um, any of your websites so people go check out and check out your reels. Yeah, man. So you can catch us online at baitsfishingco.com or seabornoutfitters.com. If you go to either site, if you look up in the top right hand corner, there is a tab where you can click and it'll switch over to the other company. Um, but uh, yeah, you can find us there online. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook. Um, I think our handles are Bates Fishing Co. and Seaborn Outfitters. And uh, yeah, so look us up, give us a follow. Uh, social media is definitely the best way to kind of keep up with with uh, current and upcoming products. And so I would encourage you to give us a follow and just kind of stay tuned into what's what's going and what's coming down the pipe. And then, you know, one of the other last kind of shout outs that I would give to any of your viewers and listeners uh, that, that kind of helps further explain who we are. Uh, man, this this is really a huge part of us as a company uh, is we really want to, uh, well, let me start with the flip side. One of the things we want to avoid so even though we make lots of high quality fishing equipment and a lot of that equipment is kind of used for a lot of bass fishing purposes, one of the things that we don't want to become as a company or a brand is the company that uh, gets so hyper-focused on that percentage of the industry that we kind of forget or neglect all the other fishermen who are chasing all kinds of other things. And uh, and so we want to be super representative of uh, of all kinds of fishing, right? Um, and, you know, the other thing that's true about us, and you might suspect this based on our story, is um, is we, man, we love fishing, but we love Jesus a lot more. And, um, and one of the things that we're convicted by is the fact that uh, God filled the waters of the earth with all kinds of different creatures. And so if we can avoid getting locked into, uh, you know, every part of the market that's only chasing largemouth bass and you know in the lakes across the country and really become a brand that kind of encapsulates the lifestyle of people who are interested in everything that god's made and put on the earth uh then man we want to be that brand we just want to be a fishing brand and um so again you can learn more about that you can find some uh blogs and articles on our website that tell more about who we are as a company and um and then you can see a lot of that in the way that we kind of represent our customers and uh, folks that are chasing all kinds of things. You can see all that on social media as well. So yeah, check us out. Awesome. Well, Chris, again, I really enjoyed this podcast. Thanks for going over the story, going over your reels. Um, appreciate you having you on here and talk to you in the future. Uh, maybe, we, you know, do something in the future together, do a little giveaway or something like that. Yeah, I'd love that, man. All right, any time. Appreciate it. You just listened to the Fishing Fanatics podcast with your host, Eric Stewart. Feel free to check out our other podcasts and our other interviews on our channel on Spotify, YouTube, and much more. Check out our Instagram page, TikTok, and Facebook as well.